Hey, this is Jeremy Reisner, pastor of C2 Church. Thanks so much for joining us on the C2 Church podcast today. I hope it inspires and builds your faith and helps you see that God is up to something in your life. Enjoy the message. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. Then they led him away to crucify him. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land, About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. And Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. This Good Friday, let's enter the story again. The story of those three days. Maybe you've heard the story time and time again, but this evening, would you put aside those thoughts and Enter in to the life of Jesus in what we call the passion story. I want to take you to two gardens tonight, for the story of the three days happens between two gardens. It's between these two gardens that breathe life. That we find death. The Gospel of John begins the story of the passion of Christ. John 18, 1. It said, when Jesus had finished praying, he left his, with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. From Jerusalem, he would leave. And on the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Kidron Valley, a deep valley which has over the years been somewhat filled in by the rubble of Jerusalem as it's been conquered and things have been pushed off, carried off into the valley. This valley separates Jerusalem proper from what is known as the Mount of Olives. Jesus and his disciples spent time there. This is oftentimes in the in the Gospels where it says, and Jesus withdrew. This is his place. This is his spot. This is where he communes with God, his Father. And there was a grove 
in Hebrew called Get Shemnai, Gethsemane, which means olive press. And there was a cave. And the keeper and the owner of the grove had a press, an olive press here on the slopes of the hill. And this hill located the Mount of Olives on the hill they referred to as the Mount of Anointing. In that day, the owner of the grove would have procured, procured his olive oil by means of crushing them with this press into a mash. And, and then he would press them again, this mash, he would press under an intense weight of a press beam to force the oil from it. The name of the location hints towards the meaning of what took place that night. For in these two gardens, Jesus would be crushed not once, but ultimately twice. As Jesus prayed that night there on the Mount of Olives, in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the Mount of Anointing, Jesus prayed and he came under intense pressure that can be compared to what an olive press must have felt like to an olive. And he said in Mark, it records his words as saying, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. The gospels record that he was in such agony and anxiety that he swept, this, uh, he sweat drops of blood. This king, this Messiah would be anointed in that moment for his kingly duty, his messianic duty to give his life here on the Mount of Anointing, his evening and his journey would start. But the story continued through his betrayal, his trial, ultimately his death sentence and his death on a cross and his burial. And it's interesting to note that the Gospels record there is a garden. The garden tomb is located just below Golgotha. There's a beautiful garden there. It overlooks a beautiful bus depot. (laughs) And there across from the buses is the skull. There in the garden, there's a picture of a, this is a picture I took in the garden. Just above it would have been where they mashed the grapes. They crushed the grapes with their feet. And from up above, the grape juice would flow into this reservoir. About 30 feet to the left of this is the garden tomb. It's recorded in John 19 that at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Archaeologists suggest this is that tomb. This is that garden. An uh, agricultural garden. They grew grapes. What a picture. Jesus being crushed in the garden. Not by anything physical, but the spiritual and emotional and the mental anguish of what he knew he was about to do. What he had been anointed to do. And that anxiety that began to weigh upon him. And his very prayer, not my will, but yours be done. 
Sometimes we pray it in almost a meaningless sense. Lord, I want to do your will, not mine, but yours be done. Jesus in this moment could have walked away. But he didn't. And there on the cross, as he hung, being crushed as a grape, as his blood flowed, as the grape juice would flow from a crushed grape, he could have called angels to save him from the cross, and yet he chose to be crushed. Isaiah 53, the prophet tells us about this crushing of anointing and suffering that Jesus went through. Isaiah 53, 4, surely he took our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God and struck down and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He entered into our pain. And our suffering. So he could take it from us. That word healed really means wholeness. Spiritually and physically. He entered into our pain. So tonight on this Good Friday. May we for a moment enter into his. His suffering indeed was for our sin. So tonight I'd like to lead us in. Three times of prayer. First would be a prayer of confession and repentance. Then a prayer of intercession. And finally a prayer of consecration. See, Good Friday, when we begin talking about it, we're already getting to Easter. Our staff was like, let's, let's celebrate. And indeed, we celebrate the amazing grace of God, didn't we? We sung about that. And we should. But let's pause for a moment. Before we get to Sunday, let's enter into Friday. Because the disciples, remember the disciples didn't know. They didn't believe. They should have known that Sunday was coming. But on Friday, they didn't believe. They couldn't see past it. Could we enter into that moment? The sorrow and grief? Maybe we could feel the grief, not simply for what Christ went through physically, but the sorrow he felt when he bore our sin, perhaps we could feel the weight and the grief of our own sin. We should take in that sorrow. For we sing songs like Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We don't use that word a whole lot in the English language. Very rarely do we refer to ourselves or someone else as a wretch. It's not a good word. Paul the Apostle says, I find find myself doing the things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I know I should do. What a wretched man I am. Who will save me? Scripture tells us that our own hearts, our own thoughts, our own desires are wicked Above all things, we only desire really deep down. We only want what's good for us. We want what we want. This is amazing grace. He's saying that you would take my place. 
Jesus became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. What an exchange. What a beautiful exchange. My sin for his righteousness. My brokenness for his wholeness. Tonight. I wrote a a prayer of confession. And as I was praying through this, as I was writing it this week, I just felt like the Lord said, Jeremy, people don't know how to confess. Like, when I confess, sometimes I have to admit I get very shallow. Oh, Lord, I kicked the dog, and I was mad at somebody, and, you know, we get very shallow. Because we don't really understand the wickedness that's deeply rooted in our hearts. But Jesus saved us from that, that he, that he pulled that root of iniquity out. We don't really understand it. We really don't know what it means to confess. It's not that we've done wrong or we've made a mistake. It's that at the heart of it, we're rebels against God and his holy name. Tonight, we're going to receive communion together in just a minute. And this prayer of confession is also what Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians as the act of examining oneself. In 1 Corinthians 11, he says, Let a person examine themselves then so that when they eat of the bread and drink of the cup of communion, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on him or herself. So let's take a moment to examine ourselves. I want to read this prayer of confession I'd love for you to close your eyes and certainly not every phrase will apply to you, but perhaps you'd just let the Holy Spirit convict you and convince you of your need, of your sin. Holy and gracious Father, I have profaned your holy name with my lips and with my life. I've declared faith in you and then I walked in fear. I've declared worship with my mouth to you and then I cursed the very people around me created in your image. I've declared myself a Christian and then lived in an unholy manner both publicly and privately. I've rejected both your positive and negative commands by negligence, ignorance, omission, and rebellion. I've done things you've You have told me not to do, and I've not done the things you've to do, told me to do. I've spoken words against others, idle, careless, and uncontrolled words. I've judged others while justifying my own sinfulness and disobedience. I'm prideful. I think of myself better or worse than what you think of me. I often care more about what others think than what you think. I fail to seek your kingdom and its fulfillment. Instead of seeking your righteousness, I seek to increase my comfort and chase the cares of this world. I have believed the lie that you, holy and gracious Father, have held out on me. Taken good things and people from my life that you have given or allowed pain uncaringly and arbitrarily instead of believing that you're working for my good and your glory. I have carried bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness against my fellow man 
and delayed or refused and giving them the same grace and forgiveness you have granted me. Father, because of your Son, the Messiah and Master Jesus, forgive me. Church, before the elements of communion are distributed, would you read this prayer that will be up on the screen? Would you read this out loud with me? Make, maybe make them your words tonight. Let's read. Christ Jesus, I confess I am a sinner. I have grieved your heart. My sin cannot be hidden from you. Forgive my unintentional sin. Have grace upon me, for I have deliberately gone against your commands. Give me a renewed heart that follows your ways. Grant me a hunger and thirst for your word. You desire to give us power through your spirit. I need your Holy Spirit to rule in me. Give me ears to hear your voice and follow you. We serve an open communion here at C2 Church. That means if you're a believer in Jesus and follower of him and you've committed your life to him, you're welcome to receive whether you belong to our church or not. And as the elements are distributed, would you continue your reflection and sing and worship? And then I'll come back up and we'll receive communion together. Jesus was betrayed before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane that he took the bread he probably would have had the consistency of what you're holding in your hands a flat bread unleavened but a broken he said this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me that's what we do on Good Friday. We remember. We grieve. We share in the sorrow of our Savior. So that we too may share in his redemption. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your broken body. Given for us. Upon it you took the weight of our sin. our suffering. That which was meant for us, you took upon yourself as a redeeming, atoning sacrifice. And you made a way once again for us to have relationship with Father God. Church, would you just thank Jesus in your own words? Jesus, thank you. Would you love us so much? Let's eat of the bread together. tells us that likewise after the supper he took the cup and he said this is the cup of the new covenant written in my blood for as often as you do this, eat of this bread and drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me 
so that's what we do. Scripture says, greater love has no man, the words of Jesus, than he lay down his life. How great is the love of the Father that he lavished on us, that because of what Jesus did, we would be called his children. Jesus, thank you for your shed blood that gives us forgiveness and redemption from our sins. That we might have relationship with you. We thank you for your shed blood. We remember. Church, let's drink of the cup together. fitting that we celebrate communion together as a community of believers. In the Jewish culture, community was a big thing. And for the Jews, confession and repentance was never just an individual thing. It was often a community thing. And so as we enter into a moment of intercession for our community, I thought it fitting that we read some prayers of confession and repentance for our own nation and our own community. I'm going to put some prayers on the screen for us to read together that I hope will motivate, inspire, enlighten us as we pray together. Would you pray this prayer of confession and repentance together with me out loud? Father God, we have sinned as a nation. We have forsaken your ways. We have abdicated our responsibility to care for people to government programs. We have abandoned the most vulnerable for convenience and comfort. We have exalted politics and popular voices over listening to your word and acting in obedience to your commands. Forgive us. As followers, we have forgotten our call to seek first your kingdom and its fulfillment. We have forgotten to earnestly seek you each day. Remind us. Rekindle our passion to reach the lost that we let dwindle. Reach those far from you to rescue those who are lost and to bring them home. Rekindle the light that you've placed in us by your spirit. Ignite us. Can you pray a prayer of confession as a community? I should have said this to start with. Don't take it personally. We repent on behalf of our nation, behalf of our community together. And now... In that spirit of intercession, I'd like for you to think of three names. People you know who would fit that category of being lost away from Jesus. They have yet to make that commitment of faith in Jesus. Maybe you don't know three people specifically. So maybe think of three places that you go that you would pray that God would give you spirit of discernment and favor as you walk in those places you 
participate in whatever activity that God would give you his spirit in those moments to see people as he sees them, lost and without a shepherd. Would you do that right now in the quietness of your own seat? Would you just say those names to the Lord? church our final prayer of intercession for those who would step into this place on Easter Sunday morning would you pray for an anointing upon all those who participate from our parking lot team to our kids ministry our greeter and other hospitality ministries for your pastor the preacher for LT and the worship team and the choir Pray for yourselves as you interact with people you've never seen or you only seen, see once a year. Would you pray, would you intercede that Easter would have a profound impact on the hundreds of people who will come into this place for the first time or maybe just the first time this year. Would you ask God to let you grieve for those who are lost in sin, who would hear the message of hope? Would you pray that God would draw your heart to his, into that grief and sorrow that he feels for those who are still far from him? Let's pray. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I want to ask you to do three things. First, subscribe and share our podcast with others. Second, if God is up to something in your life, we'd love to hear from you at mystory@c2church.com. And finally, if you benefited from this ministry, help us reach others by investing today at c2church.com/give.